Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, tracking the Christmas storm. WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers joins us with the latest update on anticipated conditions over the holiday weekend. And now is the time to prepare ahead of what is anticipated to be a major winter weather event. We'll tell you what you need to know to stay safe. Also this morning, U.S. Representative Bob Latta discusses the transition to becoming the majority party in the House of Representatives in the upcoming Congress. And what would you put in your time capsule to represent the year 2022? We'll ask the folks at the World Almanac and Book of Facts. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, December 20... For Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Three days until Christmas. And... Um, I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, if you still have a gift or two to buy uh, before the Christmas holiday, uh, there is one gift that is uh, still affordable. Even though inflation has made everything more expensive and made Christmas more expensive and you know all of that. One particular item, it says here, bucks the trend. Hot Wheels are a retail oddity. Even amidst high inflation, the price of Hot Wheels has managed to hover right around a dollar for more than 50 years. Making it one of the most affordable toys in the country at a time when inflation is chipping away at savings accounts and compounding credit card debt for many Americans. Um, James Zahn is editor-in-chief of The Toy Book, a trade pu publication that has covered the toy industry in North America since 1984. He says, while inflation and other supply chain related factors have boosted prices this year in most toy categories, Hot Wheels are still basically just a buck. And they've been a buck since, you know, the 70s, the 60s. It's for as long as anyone can remember, it's the price of, a, of Hot Wheels been a buck. I don't know. I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. Of all, all of the uh, things that you can buy for Christmas, and we talk about the prices of everything going through the roof, we can still afford Hot Wheels. If only real cars were like that. Yeah. Prices holding steady for 50 years. I don't think so. So uh, yesterday, the uh, big story was uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky uh, visited the United States. And uh, it was his first uh, trip outside of his country since the start of the war with Russia uh, some 10 months ago. And he visited the U.S., met with President Biden, addressed a joint session of Congress, and of course... Nancy Pelosi said something stupid. She, she introduced, did you catch that? She introduced Vladimir Zelensky as president of the Ukraine to a joint session of Congress, as president of the Ukraine. Now, it's been well established that it is just Ukraine, that it is the Russians that refer to uh, Ukraine as the Ukraine, as in the Ukrainian territory. So by saying the Ukraine, by introducing him as president of the Ukraine, she's basically, uh, was a backhanded compliment. She's basically slapping him, uh, in the face, but that's what Nancy Pelosi, did. of course, Nancy Pelosi is man. Uh, but anyway, got a uh, standing ovation, a rare standing ovation from a, a joint session of Congress, uh, Vladimir Zelensky did. So speaking of Congress, uh, have you been following this really weird story uh, coming out of uh, Congress? Voters in New York State just elected a new congressman who supposedly uh, had a dream resume, graduate of Baruch College and NYU a seasoned Wall Street financier and investor and the founder of an animal rescue charity that has saved more than 2,500 dogs and cats. What a wonderful guy. Except an investigation by the New York Times has found that no record, there's no record of any of this being true. Uh, Baruch College and NYU has say they have no record of him ever attending their schools. Uh, none of the... 
uh, Wall Street firms that he supposedly worked for have any record of him ever being employed, and they can't find a paper trail for this supposed animal charity. There is no registration. There's no paper trail for this charity at all. So now uh, a follow-up report by the Jewish publication, The Forward, has uh, even questioned his claim that he is the grandson of Jewish refugees. Um, he's claiming that his grandparents fled the Holocaust, fled Nazi Germany, and resettled in Brazil, but the uh, records show, uh, historical records show, that his grandparents were born in Brazil. So all of this is just really bizarre. An attorney for the newly re- uh, newly elected Republican representative, George Santos, called the report a shotgun blast of attacks from the left. Well, maybe so, but if it's all a lie, uh, if he's pulling over a fast one, there are calls now on him to resign before he even takes office. And uh, I mean, it may be coming from the left, but they would still Republicans would still hang on to the seat. They would just have to name a replacement. It's just weird, just in all kinds of a weird. And that's not the only weird story coming out of this new Congress. Do you hear about this? The The first Gen Z member of Congress has been denied an apartment in D.C. because he has bad credit. Cong- <laughs> Congressman-elect Maxwell Frost, the first elected Generation Z lawmaker, last week spent about an hour filling out an application and providing information for a credit check on a place in Washington, D.C.'s Navy Yard neighborhood with a monthly rent that he figured he could swing. He submitted his application fee and thought uh, everything was going to be fine. Uh, Although he was concerned because after a year and a half of campaigning and burning through his savings because he couldn't really hold a regular job. If you're running for Congress, you can't really, there's no time to hold down a regular job. It's a full-time job just campaigning for Congress. So uh, he had burned through all of his savings and uh, gotten himself into debt in uh, launching his campaign. And as a result, it came back, he had a low credit score, and his application for an apartment was denied. Now, on paper, being a member of Congress pays pretty well. Rank-and-file members make $174,000 annually, that's the salary, but that doesn't kick in until several months after the election, and in the meantime... Many members of Congress have resorted to turning their offices on Capitol Hill into makeshift apartments, a practice that has been criticized as an inappropriate use of taxpayer money. Um, And so he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's got a bad credit score, can't get an apartment, even though he's a member of Congress. It's crazy. Uh, On the upside, uh, Congressman Frost's Saga may make him more in touch with those who elected him. Many Gen Zers say they can relate to a lack of affordable housing. So, I don't know. Just weird stories out of, uh, out of Congress. Some of the other first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is pretty incredible science. Porsche, uh, the car maker Porsche, is testing fuel created out of air and wind. Now, I'm not sure exactly how this works. Fox News is reporting a company called Highly Innovative Fuels, which I guess they're affiliated with the automaker Porsche. This uh, company, Highly Innovative Fuels, has developed an essentially net zero fuel at a wind-powered plant in Chile. And now several sport, uh, sports car companies are looking into using it. A sports uh, spokesperson for Porsche says they recently filled up a 911 model, Porsche 911, with this fuel that was created out of air and wind, and they believe it can be used in almost any car that runs on gasoline, any internal combustion engine. Now, there is a drawback. It costs $45 a gallon, (laughs) but they say they hope to bring the cost down to somewhere around eight bucks by 2026. So, oh, that's crazy stuff. Be the savior of the internal combustion engine for uh, automobiles. Kind of interesting there. So, 
Uh, let's see here. And a couple of stories. I thought this was absolutely terrific. Uh, sharing the holiday spirit. A record-setting jackpot winner at an Atlantic City casino is bringing some holiday cheer to federal fellow gamblers. A 74-year-old woman scored a royal flush on a $5 bet at Harris Progressive Poker Table last weekend and scooped up a $1.6 million uh, payout. $1.6 million at the poker table. Uh, Mike Zippel of Harris says that is the highest amount that Caesars Entertainment has ever handed out in Atlantic City. Uh, The woman, who wants to remain anonymous, then turned around and shared her newfound wealth by giving all of the dealers, tipped the dealers at Harris $77,000, enough to give every dealer at the casino a $250 tip. Every single one of them. And then, she wasn't done, she turned around and gave every gambler in the casino, every other patron, $100 each. So that's pretty cool. Instead of keeping it all for herself. This is awesome. And not to be outdone, did you hear the story of the Kentucky woman who is nearly $125,000 richer thanks to her employer's white, gele- white elephant gift exchange at work? <laughs> Lori Janes is an office manager at a dental center in Louisville, said uh, they were doing this white elephant gift exchange as part of their company Christmas party. At first, she uh, got a $25 gift card to TJ Maxx, and she thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But then in the next round of the gift exchange, someone uh, stole her gift card, so she had to pick another gift from the pile, and so she decided to grab the $25 worth of lottery tickets that were up for grabs. She scratched, scratched off the first ticket, won 50 bucks. Thought, hey, I came out pretty good, pretty you know, ahead of this. But then she scratched the second ticket, and it was the $175,000 top prize at the $175,000 top, top prize in the lottery game. Uh, she said she felt a whirlwind of emotions at that point. Uh, she called her husband with everybody in the room and he didn't believe it, that what was actually happening was real. Um, she, she says, uh, after taxes, she took home a check for $124,250. According to the Kentucky lottery, she says she plans to use the money to pay for her daughter's college tuition. How would you like to be the person who stole her $25 TJ Maxx card? Because <laughs> if, if whoever, if her coworker hadn't stolen the $25 TJ Maxx card, she never would have, would have won. How would you like to be the one? Hey, I want a cut of this. You know, it's, but that is all kinds of awesome. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Rain showers expected today with high of 40. Rain will turn to snow late tonight as the wind kicks up and temperatures plummet. Pretty much all of northwest Ohio is now included in a winter storm warning issued by the National Weather Service, including Findlay and Hancock County. The winter storm warning goes from late tonight through early Saturday. Forecasters say this multi-hazard storm will include very strong winds as high as 60 miles an hour, extremely cold temps with wind chills as low as 25 below, and snow accumulations of 2 to 4 inches. The blowing snow could cause whiteout conditions at times, making travel very difficult, especially on Friday. And the strong winds could cause some power outages. You can get more on this storm on our website, as well as the latest local cancellations and road alerts. People are being urged not to travel during the storm, but if you absolutely have to, the Ohio Department of Transportation is urging people to check out their app and website, OGO. OGO, O-H-G-O, is an app or a website, and it'll tell you real live road conditions throughout the entire state, so you'll know what the weather is doing everywhere in, in between. And while this storm isn't expected to be a very big snowmaker, ODOT's Brent Kovacs is urging people to always give their plows plenty of room to work. The violence in the city of Toledo has now been deemed a public health crisis. 
Council says the city will now be able to get more grants and funding to help fight mental health problems and environmental issues that lead to gun violence. More people were killed this year than any other except last year, so council members think this resolution is necessary. WTOL 11's Melissa Andrews reporting. Some artwork that was recently created by residents at Birchhaven Village who've been diagnosed with dementia will be on display in Findlay. Blanchard Valley Health System says the beautiful artwork that residents created through the Innovative Engagement Project will be on display for an entire year at the University of Finley's Mazza Museum. BVHS says in addition to giving the residents a chance to express their creativity, the project allowed volunteers and residents to bond with one another on a one-on-one basis. Learn more about that initiative and see some of that art on our website. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, Old Ben Winter is not taking long to make himself felt in Northwest Ohio. Some 24 hours after the official change of the season, looks like we're in for a storm that could really pack a punch and snarl our Christmas plans. WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers joins us now. First off, Chris, we know that there have been times when the forecast was for a major weather event that turned out to be a dud. How confident are we that this is going to be as significant as predicted? Yes, we are preparing for what looks to be a significant but different type of winter storm that's going to impact our area. I think immediately when we talk winter storm, people go immediately to, well, how much snow is going to fall? Right. That's not the big concern with this one. So if you're looking for a huge snow event, we will get some snow. I do expect that this is going to be a lower end total event for much of our uh, listening area approximately two to four inches max with this system. Yeah. And we're pretty confident that we're going to be low with those snow totals. The other two elements that we're highly confident that this storm is really going to be noteworthy for is the high winds, the potential for some power outages with wind gusts that will be likely over 50 miles per hour. And mind you, this is going to be arriving just over 24 hours from now. We're looking early Friday through Friday afternoon and into Friday evening. And we all know it just doesn't take much snow for a lot of that blowing snow to become a big travel issue through the day Friday. Right, yeah, that that was one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this is the actual snowfall, pretty modest, not like what Buffalo got a couple of weeks ago where they had five feet on the ground. So the concerns are the snow drifts, the whiteout conditions, the possible ice underneath the snow and the dangerous temperatures for anyone who gets stranded in it. Absolutely. And let me highlight this other point, why this storm is just so incredibly extreme. We're going to be experiencing a flash freeze. So here's what's going to happen as we go late through our Thursday, really early into Friday morning, we're actually going to see temperatures rise close to, if not into the low to mid forties for some areas. And within about six to eight hours, we're going to have wind chills that could be approaching 20 to 25 degrees below zero. So to put that in context, in about a six to eight hour period, it could feel 60 to 70 degrees colder. It is going to be incredible. And that's the kind of temperature swing where you would be going from freezing to 100 or the other way around. Right. I mean, it's that same. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, no one is using the B word just yet, <laughs> but this sounds an awful lot like blizzard conditions where you don't really have to have a whole lot of snow to have blizzard conditions. This sounds an awful lot like that. It could be near blizzard criteria in some of our communities, especially our rural areas. There's there's no question about that. But actual snowfall is not part of a criteria for a blizzard to actually occur. It is based on visibility, wind speed, and blowing and drifting and or snow. So you can have snow on the ground or light snow or even just a couple inches of snow. And hey, if it's blowing with wind gusts to 35 miles per hour for uh, three hours or longer, putting visibilities at a quarter of a mile or less, that's an official blizzard. Yeah, It doesn't actually matter how much snow. A lot of people think instantly of, oh, the blizzard of 78, that meant right. a lot of snow and 12-foot snow drifts. Yeah, even even the blizzard of 78, uh, folks, if you go back and check the numbers, uh, it wasn't that 
much snow. It was the blowing and drifting that created those uh, huge uh, snow drifts, obviously. What- people would certainly remember that as having yeah. more snow because of what they perceived. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. So what is fueling this storm? Why is this such a potential monster here? A lot of the energy is coming from the jet stream. So if we look aloft in the atmosphere, typically where airplanes fly, 30, 35, 40,000 feet, we're monitoring winds, a massive what we call jet streak, which is a whole lot of energy that's packaged up in the jet stream that is really screaming across the northern Rockies down into the central plains. And as that energy uh, it sort of crosses the Rocky Mountains, it's pulling an Arctic cold front down across the northern plains. It's pulling up Gulf of Mexico moisture out of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And with those ingredients, the clash in temperatures, the energy along Mm -hmm. and a whole lot of energy that's going through the atmosphere. It's developing a major storm. Now, you may hear a term, bomb cyclogenesis or a bomb cyclone. Right. What that means, it's a storm system. We measure them by barometric pressure. It means a storm system that strengthens 24 millibars in 24 hours. We expect that some of our models show that this storm system may uh, uh, strengthen 35 millibars in 24 hours easily reaching the definition of what we would hear maybe in the media or flashing across the headlines as a bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone. So, yes, we will be experiencing so, that. So as we mentioned, all of this arrives in time to throw a monkey wrench in our Christmas plans. So kind of time this out for us. Um, what do we know? What do we not know about the timing on all of this? We're very precise on the timing, uh, certainly as we've gotten closer. This is going to come just after midnight, so the first few early hours into Friday morning, uh, we're again going to go from right around 40 to 42 degrees, plunging to sub-zero temperatures within a matter of a few hours, and wind chills of about 20 to 30 below zero by the time folks wake up Friday morning. So Mm. our concerns are, we're just saying, you know what? Let's advise you, do not be traveling Friday. It's just not a good day, especially long distances, rural areas. It's not the snowfall amount that's the concern. Right. The wind chills of 20 to 30 below zero with 40 to 50 mile an hour wind gusts and low visibility just isn't a good recipe for travel. Right. Now, with this, we are, more, uh, we are more confident that this system may be ending and exiting a few hours earlier than anticipated. So Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, travel likely going to be okay or at least manageable all right and again the the, the cold is something that we're all going to feel whether or not we are uh, trying to travel i mentioned this the other day so i want to ask you about this i seem to recall sure. a meteorologist friend of mine once telling me that once the temperature gets to a certain point the human body can really no longer distinguish any change in temperature can you really tell the difference between 25 below and 30 below and 35 below? Do you get to a point where it's just all cold? You do get to a point where it's just all cold, but you know, the wind chill factor I'll say is the real deal because that is the rate at which the wind is removing any heat generated by your body in a quicker manner. So, you know, I'll tell you what, I could withstand 10 below zero, 20 below zero. If it's absolutely still and calm and the sun is shining, it's manageable then. Yeah. But when you're talking 40 to 50 mile per hour wind gusts and yeah. temperatures sub zero, that's when it really gets dangerous. It can disorient you. It could uh, strike quicker than you expect. So uh, a good bit of advice is for a good solid 24 hours, Friday morning through Saturday morning, let's just stay put if we don't have to be anywhere. It's just going to be too dangerous to be out in the cold and the blowing snow <laughs> And the winds. Nothing we want to mess around with. Again, uh, WTOL 11 Chief Meteorologist Chris Vickers with us this morning. Chris, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Everybody stay safe. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. So again, very closely monitoring this weather, the winter storm warning from 10 p.m. this evening through 7 a.m. Saturday, along with that, a wind chill warning from 4 a.m. Friday tomorrow through 10 a.m. Saturday. We want to make sure that you are preparing now for what is anticipated to be a major winter weather event. Todd James of the North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross with us this morning. There are a couple of uh, aspects we want to talk about. First of all, we hope everybody will be hunkered down at home over the next 24 hours or uh, 24 to 36 hours uh, to uh, weather the worst of this uh, storm. Don't go out uh, if you can at all avoid it. 
but obviously there are steps that you want to take to make sure that you are staying safe in the home, Todd. Definitely, Chris, you're right. Uh, now is the time to prepare for this. Uh, and number one being that if you can uh, stay home for this entire period if right. possible. I know it's, it's going to be tough because it's the holiday weekend. A lot of people have travel plans. Um, uh, we we had folks who are planning on coming to visit us here. So those plans may change a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's better to be safe and maybe have to reschedule your, your visit. Uh, than you know having any sort of tragedy over the holidays. So absolutely, be that's flexible absolutely. and be that, very flexible in that. That's the that's the big message uh, here. Um, for those who will be hunkering down at home with the extreme temperatures that we are expecting. I mean, we're talking about uh, high temperatures and the low single digits and wind chills, uh, maybe 25, 30 degrees below zero. I know that always brings up the question of supplemental heating in the home and uh, things yes. of that nature. Yeah, unfortunately, this time of year is when we do see a lot of home fires, and a lot of those are caused by, unfortunately, alternative heating sources that uh, aren't used properly or are maybe a little too old to be being used. So if you're using an alternative heating source, which could be an electric heater, a ceramic heater, a kerosene, a fireplace, whatever that may be, uh, number one is to check them now and make sure that they're safe, that they're, they're, everything is in good shape, there are no frayed cords, anything like that. Another big thing to be sure of is the placement of these. You know, if you're going to have um, an electric heater, say, in the house, you've got to make sure wherever you have it placed that it's got a clear space around it for a couple of feet, not near any newspapers or you know um, throw pillows or anything like that that right. could catch fire with it uh, using your fireplace that you know the chimney of course has been clean and but that you've got a good grate and safety screen in front of it that you've got a good area in front of the fireplace so if a spark does come out you've got you know an area there that's ready to not a non-flammable area there mm. that that if that happens you won't have to worry about a, a rug catching fire or anything like that um it's also a really a good time to make sure that you've got um plenty of flashlights around because one of the big things we're looking at with the weather this weekend is there's a very good possibility of power outages right so you may be going could go for a few hours with no power you may have to huddle around so make sure you got plenty of blankets handy that you've got flashlights with uh, fresh batteries in them that you've got some water and some food in the house that's easy to access and you know that you don't have to cook food that like a, a jar of peanut butter and some bread something like that uh just to make sure that you're ready to ride out what may be coming this way with the effects of the storm. And especially with respect to the uh, power, we were talking about this uh, the other day, uh, the possibility that if the power goes out with these high winds, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for the crews to get out and repair those lines in a timely manner. So uh, any power outages may actually last a little bit longer just simply because the weather conditions are such that they can't get out there and uh, repair those lines quite as quickly as they ordinarily would so be prepared for that as well and uh, again uh, making sure that uh, you mentioned food um, food spoilage is always a concern with uh, respect to an extended power outage especially you know we've went out uh, the other day and got all of those uh, uh, all of those groceries for the Christmas feast and now here we're talking about a possible power outage yeah, exactly. I mean, the, if, if uh, the power does go out, um, number one is don't open the refrigerator or the freezer. Uh, if you can keep them closed, that's going to keep the uh, cold in there for a few hours. So depending on the length of the power outage, you know, you may you could have some food spoilage if it's a couple of hours and you haven't been opening the refrigerator and letting things get warm you'll be okay but if it's a long-term power outage mm -hmm. pretty good chance that that most of the food in there probably isn't going to be able to be salvaged now you also might be able to you know if you've got say a back porch that isn't heated i know that's what we have here um you might be able to put some stuff out there and it's going to stay pretty cold with the bitter temperatures that are coming but uh best bet is to just 
don't be opening any yeah. of the refrigerators right. or freezers while the power is out. Yeah. Uh, stick to those uh, non-perishable foods that you don't have to uh, take out of the refrigerator. And then for those who will be traveling, again, uh, strongly advise that you don't go out uh, tomorrow, especially. That'll be the worst of the storm. But uh, even as we get into the early part of the day, Christmas Eve, still some lingering effects. And so if and when you do decide to venture out, uh, you there are a number of things that you can do to make sure that you are staying as safe as possible. Yeah, very much. Number one, uh, if you have the time today, if you haven't done so already, is you know let, let's get a, a quick safety check on your car. Check your tires. Make sure your tires are in good shape uh, if you are going to be traveling. Um, and then also, you know, do you have a good emergency kit in your trunk? Uh, do you have some spare water, some spare food? Uh, do you have a blanket? Do you have a snow shovel, some salt, all those good things that we want to carry in our trunks during the winter? You know, maybe a safety blanket, uh, because again, you may have to, if you were to get stranded and have to stay in your vehicle make sure you know those extra blankets that you can huddle around with and mm-hmm. um, knowing that you know you can run your car for a little bit at a time to heat it up then turn it off you don't want to leave it on continuously for a long period of time because then we worry about carbon monoxide um, but getting all of those supplies that you want to have a good safety kit in your car check the trunk now make sure that it's there easy to access and if you're missing something well then today's the day to make sure you you replenish it and make sure that everything is there that needs to be that's the uh only advantage that we have here is that we know that this is coming and we can prepare for it today before uh the uh, system hits and obviously if we're going to be out uh as we are traveling making sure that your uh, phone is with you so you can call for help if you need it, or at the very least, make sure that uh, people know the route that you're taking, when you're expected to arrive, when you're leaving, when you're expected to arrive. So uh, if something happens, uh, you know, they know where you might be and and can uh, help summon assistance. Exactly. And as you said, you know, keep your phone charged um, and for your home. I mean, we, we, we've talked a lot in the past and we do our, our B Red Cross Ready presentation. One of the things that we recommend every home have is a good uh, radio with the weather band on it that has uh, multiple power options, like whether it's a solar or, or crank powered, uh, because a lot of those also come with adapters to charge your cell phone. But having information to the weather forecast and what's going on. So if the power goes out, you can still keep up on what is going on and what the forecast is looking like. If shelters get opened, warming centers open, anything like that that you may need to know about, you want to make sure you have access to a way to get that information. And uh, checking on uh, neighbors and uh, loved ones, uh, always uh, very important as well. Now, as we said, is the time to prepare ahead of what we anticipate to be a major winter weather event ahead of the Christmas holiday. Again, Todd James with the North Central Ohio chapter of the American Red Cross. Uh, You mentioned the Red Cross Ready program. I know you have a lot of resources on the app and on your webpage. Uh, to help people prepare, and we have that linked up at our webpage as well, goodmornings.net. Todd, thanks very much for the info. We appreciate it. Hey, Chris, thank you very much. A safe and happy holiday to everybody, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the new year. So joining us this morning, Representative Bob Latta, who will be a member of the majority party in the new Congress in the House of Representatives. Congressman, thanks very much for uh, taking some time for us this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Well, good morning. How are you today? Doing very well. Uh, kind of hunkering down ahead of this uh, this big storm, but uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> make sure that everybody uh, stays safe and and uh, all of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, you know this big transition that is coming in the uh, in the next Congress. You will be, as we said, a member of the majority party. It is not necessarily unusual. Control of Congress does pass back and forth from time to time. But how significant is it? this uh, coming Congress to be in the majority in the House? Well, I think what you see what's going on right now, we're in, we're in session right now because the, the government's going to shut down on Friday because the Democrats did not pass a budget. They did not do their 12 appropriation bills. 
So now uh, what's happening is there's this, what they call an omnibus that they're trying to get done at the end of the year, right. which is about $1.7 trillion. And again, uh, the horrible thing about this thing is uh, it's 4,155 pages long. Uh, you have to, as Nancy Pelosi once said, you, you know, we have to pass it to find out what's in it. And we're finding out that they've got a building named in California for her. And then you start looking at all of these other pet projects that are go- getting out there that the, the Congressional Budget Office has not even scored this. I mean, we don't even know how much, what, you know, how much debt <clears throat> we're going to have with this bill. So this, this thing's a disaster. And, uh, but this is one of the things we're going to be doing is we're going to have, you know, we want to pass a budget. We want to do our appropriation bills, get back to what we call a regular order. And then the other big thing is, is that, you know, we'll pass a lot of legislation. And unfortunately, it's never going to be signed into law because with the Democrats controlling the Senate and the president, right. that uh, it'll be very difficult to get those things. But what we'll be able to do is stop this stuff from being uh, passed through what you're seeing right now. Well, that was uh, actually one of the other things that I wanted to ask uh, with respect to the agenda for the coming Congress. Is there uh, Are there priorities, knowing that, again, it's still going to be an uphill battle with uh, Democrats controlling the Senate uh, and uh, the White House, uh, is, is there a, a, a legislative agenda that you can point to, or is the agenda more just stopping the Biden agenda? Well, I think it's multiple. Number one, we want to get inflation under control because Americans are suffering. Well, we've seen 10 straight months now that the housing market is down. You know, people can't afford to go out and get mortgages now because of how high the mortgage rates are. Uh, the other issue is, of course, is that we have done no oversight of this administration. So they pretty much have done what they wanted to do, and uh, now we look and we really see what's happened. Of course, on the border, with this massive crisis that's down there, that's all caused by the president, and uh, you know they want to end Title Forty Two, which would uh, you know give the uh, ability to send people back across the border. But when you think over two million people crossed this border illegally last year alone, that we know of, uh, you know we have had no hearings. And, and the, right along with it, you probably, you know, been in the news about uh, over 300 million uh, uh, pills that have fentanyl in them are out there that's enough to kill every American. So, you know, they can't admit they got a border, a border crisis. They can't admit they've got uh, an issue with uh, drugs flowing into this country because they, they can't because they have to admit they're not doing their job. With respect to that, we were t- you were talking about the uh, reference, the uh, omnibus bill, the uh, bill that would keep uh, that would avoid a government shutdown uh, at the uh, end of the week. My understanding is that is one of the uh, sticking points. Uh, at least one of your uh, colleagues is looking right. to uh, extend Title Forty Two as a condition of uh, further funding uh, homeland security uh, in this uh, omnibus bill. Uh, does that have any uh, hope? I know uh, negotiations continue, but uh, do you anticipate that being done before tomorrow, or is there uh, going to you're going to have to come back next week? What's the kind of timeline on that? Well, that's, that's a good question because we were on the floor until a little after eleven o'clock last night, voting what we call suspensions. They're pretty much what you call a lot of more uh, uh, inconsequential piece of legislation are those that they don't have what they call a rule so they can pass it with two-thirds of things through them. So that's what we're doing right now is just to, to uh, mark time. But uh, I, I, last night, uh, the Democrat majority leader, Kenny Hoyer, said that we're going to be here until we're done. So I know I brought enough clothes to get me through Christmas. And uh, so we, you know, might, we could be here until Christmas. And if we don't get it done, uh, they'll have to be, because again, uh, the government uh, runs out of money once again because of, you know, poor planning uh, tomorrow again so they have another short-term CR. What they might end up doing is have to pass another short-term CR either to the end of next week mm-hmm. or do what the Democrats don't want to do is give the Republicans in the House an ability into the new year to start dictating because we've been totally ignored in this whole process. Is that a strategy uh, for for some, perhaps yourself included, to hold all of this up until the uh, new Congress, where you will have more say in uh, any omnibus bill that does get passed? It would be much better that we would have some say what's going to happen, because, again, we're talking about real money here. 
And again, when the Congressional Budget Office has not uh, put a score on what this thing costs, that means that the American people could be putting, seeing more debt added out there to our national debt. And I know that you and I have talked in the past, but by the year 2030, we're going to be paying a trillion dollars just to pay interest on the debt. Right. And so if people want to figure out how we're going to finance the government today, wait for seven more years, when all of a sudden it's like, well, folks, we got to pay the interest back first before we can do anything else. To be fair, some of that spending comes from both sides of the aisle. But speaking of uh, additional spending, um, wanted to ask your uh, reaction to uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky's ad- uh, joint address to uh, or address to a joint session of Congress uh, yesterday. Uh, obviously, uh, he is lobbying hard for even more uh, funding, even more assistance to help fight the war uh, in Ukraine against Russia. Your reaction from President Zelensky's speech and uh, your thoughts on ongoing support for Ukraine in this conflict. Well, you know, first, uh, you know, the Ukraine is a uh, democratic, independent nation. It's been invaded by a dictator, uh, Ru- Putin and the Russian, you know. And so, what you, you know, as we've talked, and American people know that uh, Putin thought he was going to be sitting in the capital there in Ukraine within three to five days. And uh, the Ukrainians put up such a fight on their own before they even started getting aid from the outside mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it slowed things down. And now we've seen with the help of not only the United States, but European countries that they've been able to fight back. And I think it's important that, you know, Americans always have to remember that we wouldn't be a country today that we are. If it hadn't been in 1777 at the battle of Saratoga, that the United States defeated the British that brought the French into the war. Right. And uh, if it wasn't for the French, we would not, we would never have won the American Revolutionary War. And if you go into, you know, the United States Capitol Rotunda and you see the surrender at Yorktown, you see the British marching between who? The Americans on one side and the French on the other. Yeah. And uh, of course, in World War II, uh, you know, the, the uh, Brits were holding out all, they were the last country standing against Nazi aggression in Europe. And uh, the United States stepped in before we were in, you know, the war to help the Brits be able to fight back. And in this case, uh, if the, uh, the West hadn't helped uh, the Ukrainians, uh, now the Ukraine is not a NATO country, but, you know, I, you know, it's pretty much the, uh, conventional wisdom is that Putin would have invaded a yep. NATO country and an attack on one NATO country is an attack on all. We'd be at war today. Yeah. And so we see no American ground forces on the ground right, you know, over there. So I think that's an important uh, point uh, out there for Americans. We will leave it there for now. Again, uh, U.S. Representative Bob Latta talking about the uh, transition uh, here in the uh, next few weeks, becoming the majority party in the House of Representatives and the way that changes the dynamic in the upcoming Congress. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time, and certainly a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And another hefty collection of broken news uh, to uh, share with you uh, today. Once again, people just have to get their all of their stupid stuff out of the way before the end of the year. So. <laughs> Two men from Queens are now facing charges for allegedly conspiring with Russian nationals to hack the taxi dispatch system at New York's JFK airport. Conspired with Russian hackers to hack the taxi dispatch system at JFK. You see, taxi drivers uh, are required to wait in a holding lot, and a computer system then keeps track of the order that they arrive Uh, when a passenger needs a taxi. So prosecutors allege that Daniel Abayev and Peter Lehman hacked into the system with help from Russian computer experts to change um, the, the order. And they charged taxi drivers 10 bucks to move them to the front of the line so that they would get a fare immediately. (laughs) Is this really what Russian hackers are are doing now apparently they grew bored with uh hacking into our elections and 
And now they're hacking into the taxi system at JFK. <laughs> Prosecutors allege this scheme. Uh, they did this up to a thousand times a day over the course of two years. So you do the math on that at 10 bucks a pop. That's quite a, uh, quite a hefty little sum there. But I thought, is that really what Russian hackers are doing now? We don't have to worry about them hacking into our power grid or stealing our personal information. They're just <laughs> extorting taxi drivers in New York City. Uh, speaking of uh, airport holiday travel fun, an Alabama woman is facing charges for a violent outburst at Miami International Airport. Camilla McMillie was arrested yesterday for allegedly throwing a computer monitor at a gate agent. <laughs> what precipitated this whole thing, police say the 25-year-old woman was upset when she lost track of her two kids, and she demanded that the gate agent help her find them. The gate agent, when the gate agent said, I can't, I've got work I've got to do here, she threw a computer monitor at the gate agent, hit the agent in the shoulder, she was not seriously hurt. Uh, Ms. McMillie then allegedly caused $10,000 worth of damage uh, to equipment there at the uh, gate. She is facing charges that include aggravated battery. By the way, through this whole thing, it turns out her kids had gone to the restroom. So, <laughs> and they were perfectly safe. <laughs> oh, there they are. Never mind. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. This is a crazy science story. Uh, the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago said researchers were stunned when they discovered a female zebra shark in the aquarium had hatched pups. It's a baby shark story. This female zebra shark had had baby sharks, and they had no idea. The uh, female shark named Bubbles hatched the pups in the tank that she shares with multiple other adult zebra ch uh, sharks. And the babies were originally believed to have been fathered by one of the male sharks in the tank. But genetic testing was performed on the baby sharks. And the researchers were stunned to discover that Bubbles was the sole parent. There was no... Um, hanky-panky going on in the shark tank between the uh, sharks. Um, the aquarium says uh, zebra sharks have been known to reproduce asexually on rare occasions, but it has previously been believed that that was only because there was a lack of available male mates, and that was not the problem here. So uh, they call it parthenogenesis, or virgin birth. <laughs> did uh, did Jesus come back as a shark? That's <clears throat> they weird. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. What else is? Uh... Oh, speaking of uh, Christmas stories, the broken news: a man from Idaho has now earned himself the Guinness World Record title for most ornaments hanging from a beard. <laughs> I don't have his name. I think we should probably find out who this person is and give them proper credit. Apparently, he attached 710 holiday ornaments to his facial hair. 710. That's more than I have on my Christmas tree. How long is this guy's beard? He says it took two and a half hours to accomplish the record-breaking assortment. Uh, and he broke his own world record from 2019... He said he would continue to outdo himself each year as his festivity intensifies. <laughs> 710 ornaments hanging from his beard. I got to think there's a picture of this online somewhere. I've got to look this up because that's hard to believe. Uh, let's see here. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, um, a 50-year-old man is now facing federal charges of setting more than 1,300 acres of national parkland on fire last month. 
this wildfire ended up being related to a string of over 20 fires over the past couple of months that uh, could all be traced back to this uh, 50-year-old individual. Uh, federal charges are pending. Uh, each single count of arson is accompanied with up to five years of prison time. The man's truck was spotted at the scene of multiple fires, and uh, he said he set, him, uh, he set the fires to distract himself from his depression. What makes this really interesting is that uh, he is a, a former 911 dispatcher. So, <laughs> dispatcher for 911. I guess decided he would give himself something to do. Is no longer a dispatcher for 911. <laughs> An emergency responder. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Something uh, weird in India happened uh, the other day. You know those um, those highway signs with the uh, funny messages about traffic safety? And so on. they have them in several states in this country, uh, including Ohio. And they do this around the world as well. Well, in India, uh, <laughs> one of the LED displays recently uh, displayed a message saying, Smoke weed every day <laughs> in a high traffic stretch of a highway in Mumbai. The LED sign display read smoke weed every day. One of the Mumbai traffic commissioners who manages the uh, sign program uh, said uh, it was a technical glitch. <laughs> said uh, we've corrected the problem. There's technical glitch. Sure it was. Uh, let's see. And a couple of dog stories here. This is, uh, this is wild. After a dog went missing from his home in Sacramento over a year ago, the three-year-old German shepherd mix named Zeppelin will be reunited with his family just in time to celebrate the holidays back home. Apparently the dog, very friendly dog, would visit a nearby construction site every day, uh, to, uh, See the crew members on the construction site. They give it treats and all of that. So every day he'd make a little jaunt to the construction site. But one day he didn't return home, which left the family heartbroken. But thankfully, because Zeppelin was microchipped, the family recently got a call that he had been found in Kansas. This is from Sacramento to Kansas. How he got to Kansas, nobody knows. Uh, but he is now headed back to his home in Sacramento. It's crazy. And you talk about lost dogs. How about this story? A family in Nashville is demanding answers after their dog was sent halfway around the world by British Airways. The Miller family was moving from London to Nashville when their dog was put on the wrong flight. And Bluebell, the dog, ended up in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, British Airways have taken responsibility for the mistake. And Bluebell is now home safe and sound after an exhausting journey <laughs> to, to the U.S. Can you imagine being that dog? What in the world is going on? All's well that ends well there, I guess. There you go. Some of the uh, odd and unusual uh, side of the, uh, of the headlines this morning. Today's broken news report brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We were talking a little bit earlier this week about uh, the local uptick in the number of COVID-19 cases being reported. And many places around the country have seen this increase as the winter season approaches. Not entirely unexpected, but it appears that despite that fact, most Americans are done worrying about it. We're over it. Uh, that's one of the uh, takeaways from a new Ipsos poll. 65% 
of Americans as the holiday season is upon us see no or just a small risk in returning to family gatherings, going to restaurants, and doing other things that they did in the days before we ever heard about the term social distancing. 65% say just a small risk or no risk at all. 46% of those in this poll said that their lives are already back to normal. The nationwide survey also found 57% are still concerned about COVID. That is the lowest percentage since the pandemic began. 27% of those who said they are still concerned about COVID are mostly just concerned that they would give it to a loved one. That's the biggest fear we have of passing along the virus to somebody we care about. 11% say they are not the least bit concerned about contracting COVID. 50% of those in the poll say that they have either proven that they had or assumed they had COVID at some point during the pandemic. Two in three of those who had COVID say that they were fully vaccinated. 85% of respondents say we will never be rid of COVID-19 in our lifetime. 88% say the pandemic changed their lives forever. But 82% report that the country is in a better place than it was a year ago when it comes to the pandemic. So kind of interesting as we uh, come up on all of those uh, holiday gatherings for 2022. Well, as we close the book on 2022, we always like to look back and reflect on the year gone by from a historical perspective. And joining us this morning to help us do that is Sarah Jansen. She is editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts, now out with their 2023 edition. And Sarah, among the regular features in the Almanac each year are the top 10 news topics and the year in sports. What are some of the events and milestones that 2022 will be remembered for? Well, it's always interesting to look at the top 10 news topics because sometimes going into the year, we know what some of them are going to be. You know, whether there's an Olympics or an election coming up, we know what's going to, you know, probably crack that top 10 or even that top five list. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the election made the cut again this year. But then you have stories that completely surprise you, like Russia's invasion of Ukraine, like the death of Queen Elizabeth. You know, these are things that, that sneak up on you and force you to, to look at the gear from a different perspective. And with respect to some of those, obviously the election uh, it was uh, was historic for a number of reasons, a lot of data to break down, and, and that's exactly what the World Almanac does, uh, you, you specialize in, and all of the, uh, the breakdown of uh, data like that and, and some of the other uh, news highlights you also have, which I thought was kind of interesting because the pandemic was still a thing in 2022, a special coronavirus status report in this year's edition, which breaks down not just the health information, but also the many ways that COVID-19 con- continues to affect really our culture in general. Yeah, that was absolutely one of the things that we're looking to do in the 2023 edition of the World Almanac is, you know, we've this is our third year now that's had the, you know, standard status report, coronavirus numbers, you know, the basics of case counts and that sort of thing. But we wanted to look as, you know, data started rolling in in 2021 and 2022 on those reverberations, on things like schools and test scores and, you know, vaccination rates in various countries and re- regional discrepancies and uh, looking at how these uh, these big uh, public health issues have had reverberations in all aspects of society, even down to things like the supply chain and inflation rates. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of data in the World Almanac uh, 2023 that shows those reverberations and, and gives statistical numbers to to show how the world is changing uh, in 2022 and beyond. You know, and, and whether we're talking about the uh, coronavirus pandemic, the election, or really uh, anything that is in the news, I mean, again, this is this is hard data. We, we have these discussions and these debates about, you know, the right response and whether, you know, uh, how 
the election or the the virus or whatever uh, has or will impact us. This is the data we can go back and cite and look and see exactly what those numbers are. Absolutely. And that's something that the uh, World Almanac editors are extremely conscientious about, about identifying authoritative sources no matter what they're covering. So even if it's something like, uh, you know, digital album sales or TV ratings or, you know, sports statistics, we're, we're going to the source, we're going to identify the most authoritative source and get it straight from them. And then it'll be, uh, it'll go through our rigorous fact-checking process as well. So we have a couple of different layers there to make sure that you're getting the most accurate, up-to-date, and authoritative information, no matter what topic you're looking at. Now, this may be a, a difficult question as editor because, you know, you, you have so much data I- in there uh, to uh, go over and, and uh, include in the, in the book. Were there things that that stood out or jumped out uh, to you that maybe you didn't anticipate or you know really caught your attention? I mean, I would imagine that every year there are certain things that jump out at you and and surprise you when you actually look at the data. Oh, there's always so much. It would be hard to pick just one thing. Um, I was really interested to see some of the uh, the updated census statistics. You know, the, the 2020 census happened on schedule, but some of the analysis uh, was mm. a long time coming, and we're actually still seeing releases coming in. And getting to see that uh, is kind of, you know, a, a World Almanac editor's, you know, favorite day of the year. It's our, it's our Christmas. <laughs> um, <laughs> so getting to see some of that data start rolling rolling out in 2022 was really interesting just because it is such a fascinating way to take a look at the country, how it's changing, how cities are changing block by block. Um, it's it's definitely one of the things that I look forward to every year, and I think we did a great job presenting it for the readers in this edition of the World Almanac. And along those same lines, I mean, these may be things that don't necessarily jump out and grab the headlines necessarily, make the top 10 uh, per se, but really define... Uh, what the year meant when you look at things like housing costs or student loan debt, these things that have been in the news. And again, this puts some specific numbers uh, to that. And again, while they may not necessarily be the uh, headline grabbing things that jump out uh, at you immediately when you think of the year gone by, uh, they will certainly have a historic impact that will reverberate into the coming year and beyond. Absolutely. And that's what we're always trying to do. We're always trying to look at, you know, the topics in the news, whether it's inflation or, you know, test scores for public schools and making sure that we have the hard data behind it. We're, we're trying to make sure that we have the information that we think that readers expect if they want to be, you know, informed about the world and, and have the, uh, the basic facts to have a discussion with, to, to start with as we start having policy debates, to start with the, the same set of numbers is, is a, a preferable thing for sure um, it, to just be be on the same place, the same starting line. It is a big responsibility, and I know that's one uh, thing, as you said, that that you recognize and and take very seriously. But that's got to be a, a huge weight on your shoulders, knowing that so many people rely on these numbers and will cite these numbers in those policy debates and those uh, political discussions and so on and so forth. A big part of the process for the World Almanac every year is vetting sources, is making sure that, you know, the data set that we're downloading um, from the government source or the NGO or from, you mm-hmm. know, a researcher is actually what it says it is. Yeah. Um, we do spend a lot of time and effort doing a fact check round still, which a lot of uh, a lot of publications don't have the resources for anymore. But that's still a really important part of the World Almanac process. And lastly, this is one of one of, if not my favorite feature to talk about each year, the time capsule. What goes into the 2022 time capsule that best represents what the year was all about? Oh, gosh. Well, the the time capsule is a lot of fun to put together every year because we take the serious news stories and the less serious news stories. And then we come up with items that represent them uh, to, to represent the year that was. We're not going out and 
and burying this or anything. Right. It's just sort of a theoretical list. But but in 2022, we had things like a can of baby formula, which had the unfortunate mm. shortage for a lot of 2022. Yep. We've got those first images from the James Webb Space Telescope that everyone was so oh, yeah. stunned by this summer when we first started seeing those. You know, uh, we have a Aaron Judge 60-second home run baseball, um, which was a lot of fun at the end of the baseball season to pay attention to. So things like that. You've got a little bit of the high, a little bit of the low um, from, you know, serious news stories and pop culture in 2022. Again, uh, Sarah Jensen is editor of the World Almanac and Book of Facts, now out with their 2023 edition. It is the Bible for folks who love to dig into the numbers and, uh, again, just kind of see where we are, where we are going uh, in this uh, world around us. Uh, Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. Real quickly, where do folks uh, learn more about this year's World Almanac? You can get the World Almanac and Book of Facts 2023 in paperback, hardcover, or ebook wherever books are sold. And the ebook is available for all devices. So it's a uh, it's nice to have the option of something a little more portable than our one hundred. 1,008-page paperback, but I like to use them both. <laughs> I absolutely have it on my bookshelf uh, every year and uh, something that I go back to time and time again. Sarah, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program once again. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day at our webpage, and that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the undisputed king of Christmas, Richard Paul Evans, will be with us to talk about his poignant new holiday novel, A Christmas Memory. Plus, everything gamblers need to know ahead of the launch of sports betting in Ohio in the new year. And we'll have another collection of recipes, this time for your New Year's party from Kyra's Kitchen. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow for our final podcast of the year.